Hi, my name is Danny Woodward, and welcome once again to Assured by Grace. I'll be your host today for a, a, a discussion that I've been looking forward to all year long, and, and I'm joined again uh, by my partner, Senior Pastor Phil Congdon. And uh, Phil, today we're going to look at uh, some passages that are relevant to this time of year. Yeah. The Christmas season is is drawing upon us and it's uh i love christmas time i love the just everything about it It, it's it's a time to reflect a time to be with family a time to kind of honor some traditions and and uh but most importantly it's the time when we look back to when christ came and what that means for us as believers and uh and phil today we're going to look a little bit further back aren't we well, yeah, this is, it's interesting. The Christmas story happened uh, in time and space and in history. But from God's point of view, history, somebody has described that God, uh, for God, history is like a picture on the wall. He sees the whole, he sees the end, sees the beginning and everything in between. And so uh, it's interesting that in scripture, which is God's revelation to man, that we find all through what we call the Old Testament, we find all through this revelations about Jesus Christ. And as we're going to see today, uh, although we can only look at a few of them, uh, what we're going to see today is how amazing it is that the picture of Jesus Christ uh, that was so, um, it's so, we can see it clearly, for example, in the New Testament, that it was also being unveiled and that it was visible in the old testament and as we look back now we see god's fingerprints on that revelation you you know phil when uh i guess for for about the last week i I started peeling back into the old testament and and doing kind of a study of those those scriptures that you're talking about I was trying to do a, as, as thorough a study as I could, and I thought, well, that'd be fun to do on our podcast. We could, we could really talk about all of the scriptures in the Old Testament that relate to Jesus' first coming. be a long podcast. It, it'd be a really long podcast. Once I started really getting into that, I found just pages and pages of, yeah. of scripture that are, that are relevant. But, but one of the uh, things that I, I found as well was that there are a lot of scriptures that have relevant passages for his first coming mixed in with relevant passages for his second coming. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and I just thought that was so interesting. And, and so today, you know, I know we, we can't go through the whole list as much as we probably would want to, you guys would be tired of watching and, (laughs) and, uh, we might be here all night, but the, just to go through maybe a couple of the verses in Isaiah, Mm. Uh, Isaiah chapter yeah. seven, chapter nine, and chapter eleven, and and to really look at how some of these these verses foretell uh, the appearance of Christ, and then also they foretell something yeah. else that's coming. You know, at the at the whole root of this this issue, there there are two things just to, for us to understand. First of all, uh, we understand and and accept the Bible. 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament books as God's revelation. And 
um, it, it's very possible that somebody could be listening right now and saying, well, I just don't believe the Bible it is God's revelation to man. That's absolutely a choice that anybody can make. If you make that choice, then you may say, oh, but I, th- I think some other writing, some other religious writing, some, some other historical or philosophical writing is the way I am going to govern my life. And as you do something like that, you can weigh how does this work? How does this answer uh, the questions that, that we have? innate questions. I think that the Bible stands up very well to all of the questions. The, the, they call them the key philosophical questions. Why am I here? Where did I come from? What is expected of me? Where am I going? And, and these questions are ultimate questions, and the Bible answers these. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the name of our podcast is Assured by Grace, which means that we have taken God's revelation and we understand that he is gracious, that he, is, he has given us. The word grace uh, means a gift. It is he's gifted us with something we don't deserve. And that is the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. But the issue that touches so many people is how can I know? How can I be assured, you know, that, that I have eternal life? And we've talked about this and looking at passages and talking mm-hmm. about various issues and fears that people have. But you know what it comes down to is God promises something. Can I trust God's promises? Uh, I, you could promise me something and, and I might say, yeah, I, I trust you but you might fail me. Mm -hmm. And uh, we tend to fail each other. But God is an absolutely trustworthy God. And we're going to get to see that because it actually touches on Christmas. And now we're looking back about 735 years to Isaiah. And here's a prophet who's going to be talking to people in a real situation, and he's going to be saying, this is what God says, and you can trust it. Yeah, and, and doesn't the Bible kind of, at, at some place in the Old Testament, talk about how, you know, you know a prophet, if, if, if a prophet is, is true or not, by, by if their prophecies come true. Yeah, that's right. He stoned a prophet if, if he said, this is what's going to happen, and it didn't. Exactly, and uh, so that so was a, that was very very stark. You know, you, <laughs> you you know, you wanted to make sure that if you were the weatherman and you were a prophet, that you gave the right weather report for tomorrow. I can you imagine if we said, you know, weatherman, if you give a wrong weather report, we're going to take you out and stone you. You know, that would definitely that that'd be freaky. This is what the prophets faced, and therefore, you know, they. They got messages from God. Um, we could start here. I think one of the best places for Christmas is Isaiah 7. Um, and you know what the interesting thing about Isaiah 7 is, is that you talked earlier, you were talking about how there are prophecies of the first coming of Christ, 
and then um, just down the page mm-hmm. in the same prophecy was something that has not yet been fulfilled. Well, in Isaiah 7, we have a very unique prophecy. We have a prophecy that was had a fulfillment somewhere back around 9, uh, 730 BC, and it also had a fulfillment 730 years later. And God superintended that. Um, everybody knows this. Um, we'll put this verse up on the screen if you don't have a Bible, but I'm just going to read Isaiah 7.14, and then we can talk about this whole thing. Isaiah 7.14, this is a famous verse. Uh, it says this, uh, uh, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child, and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Now you say, well, that's in Isaiah 7, 735 or so BC. Uh, what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, you go over to Matthew chapter 1, and Joseph is wondering what to do with Mary, who has been found to be pregnant, and an angel, Gabriel, comes to him and appears to him and uh, tells him the, that she is bearing the, the Christ child. Uh, verse 21, she will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then it says this, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Are you ready? Here's what the angel said. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So all of a sudden, we have before us in Scripture, the God of history is saying something to King Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah in 735 BC or so, and you have a fulfillment of that not just back in 730, whatever, B.C., but also in the birth of Jesus at Christmas. So, so before we, we started the podcast, I was asking you about this, and yeah. you, you, you mentioned that it was fulfilled, uh, kind of, well, in, in, yeah. in Isaiah's day. It would have been fulfilled. We, this is one of those things that historians um, study and, uh, and probably... Uh, this is a child of Isaiah's. Here's the backstory is simply this. Ahaz was an ungodly king and uh, Ahaz tended to trust in his idols and he tended to trust in whatever consortium of other kings that he could put together. So Mm -hmm. he wanted to have the best team so he could defeat his enemies. Well, Ahaz was facing uh, a consortium of his Oh, of of uh, uh, coming against him. Uh, Ahaz was king of Judah. Israel in the north, that's the northern uh, tribes of the divided kingdom, had made a deal with Syria, and they were going to come down and destroy Ahaz and Judah. And Ahaz knows. Ahaz, uh, I mean, uh, Ahaz knows that he can't. He's not strong enough to defeat Israel. And Syria. So Ahaz is trusting in his idols. He's, he's trying to figure out who, who can I call in to help. 
Isaiah comes to him and Isaiah says, don't worry, trust in God. Mm -hmm. God's going to protect you. He will deliver you. And uh, if you, if you want a sign so that you can really know that you can trust God, ask me for a sign. I'll give you one. And N.A. has a self-righteous. Here's a, a guy who doesn't believe in God. He's rejecting God, following idols, and, and he's thinking entirely of how can I fix my problems. <laughs> and he says, I won't ask God for a sign as his self-righteous prig. And, and Isaiah says, well, then I'll tell you what, God's going to give you a sign anyway. And the sign is that a virgin, in the Hebrew Alma, uh, it, it was a woman who was a virgin at that time. It doesn't mean that there was going to be a virgin birth there. It just means that there's a girl who's now a virgin, and she is going to conceive and bear a child. And we're going to call his name Emmanuel. It, it will be God with us. It's going to be a sign for you. And he spells out this sign further that before this child reaches a certain age, guess what? Those two nations, Israel and Syria, that you're so afraid of, God will have taken care of them. They're going to be gone. Now, you have to understand, at this point in history, nobody is thinking about the coming Messiah. No. They're not thinking about Christmas. They're thinking, you can trust God. And that's, that's the, the lesson. That's the backdrop of, of the prophecy that entered in uh, for, yeah. for Jesus. That's and amazing. So, so now, all, all of a sudden, I mean, it's wonderful that we can look back and we can see this and we can see Matthew as well. So we see both of these. And now we see God. And God is omnipotent and omniscient. So what God does is he gives a prophecy and the prophecy is to teach a rebellious, godless king, you can trust me. Mm. He didn't. He didn't learn that lesson. And he never did. He was a wicked king. 730 years later, an angel appears to Joseph in a, a nation and in a day when the people are, again, there's, their despair is everywhere. And the angel is going to say, just, uh, I want you to, to know that this baby that's going to be born to you is going to be fulfilling a prophecy. As the prophet said, a virgin will conceive. And all of a sudden, a word in the Old Testament that it did mean a virgin at that time. It didn't mean that a virgin would conceive conceive in the sense that she would conceive without having sexual relations in the Old Testament. But now God is giving it the fuller meaning. A girl who is a virgin, who has not had sexual relations, is going to conceive and bear a son. You will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And that is now, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, it, it's fascinating. And so at Christmas, we can see that, okay, the birth of Jesus was part of a great plan that God had. It wasn't just mm -hmm. something. And it's in, the in, same yeah. backdrop. It's the same backdrop yeah. that we have with Ahaz, 
in, in all of his troubles and his lack of belief is the same backdrop that you have with, uh, with Israel and the, and the uh, Pharisees and the rulers at the time when Jesus comes around, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a, it, well, it's an everlasting problem as far as long <laughs> as we go, because it's a problem this, today. I was going to say it's the same problem we have today. But let, let's go over to Isaiah 9. And okay. this, is a, this is another passage. If you have your Bibles, again, we, we can put some of these scriptures up here on the screen for you to see. Um, but Isaiah 9 is, um, if you pick up the story here, uh, Isaiah is, has announced judgment is coming. And this judgment, it, it's going to come on Israel. It's going to come on Judah. In other words, God's people. Because they are rejecting him, they're following idols. It, it's not going to be good. Um, if you look at verse 22 of Isaiah 8, I'll just read this. It says, they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. You know what? That, that's not a pretty picture. I don't, you know, if, if I was a prophet today and I said, you know, Israel, I mean, uh, America is going to, and I'm a prophet of God. Let's just imagine for the sake of argument here for a minute. Uh, if I were a prophet and God says to me, you know, in, within 10 years, America is going to be a wasteland. Uh, it's going to be utterly destroyed. There's going to be misery. You're going to be all taken away as captives or dead, or I'm just making up something. Global warming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happens with nuclear uh, bombs uh, as well. That's called one, an, another kind of global warming. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you, what, it, that's what Israel heard from Isaiah, the prophet. And then you hear this. Verse nine, uh, chapter nine, verse one, the very next verse. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. He's talking there about northern parts of Israel, but people would understand this is just talking about the land of Israel. And, and when he yeah. says in contempt because of judgment, because yeah. of sin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so then he says he treated them that way, but later on he shall make it glorious. By the way of the sea and the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You know, we Christians, we, we read those words and we understand something. Yeah, Jesus came into the world. Mm -hmm. The night he was born, uh, you had the angels, the lights uh, th that brightened up the whole field where the shepherds were. Uh, there was a star that lit up the sky that the wise men followed to come and see him. And then John, writing about Jesus, says, uh, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness. You see this light, and Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. So, you know, we read this, and, and we say, yeah, that, that sounds like Jesus. And then, well, you can pick up here, you know, you, you, you saw this, how it doesn't just refer to his first coming. 
Mm-mm. No, it it's it's the uh, the second coming as well. So you want me to start off reading down at verse three? Yeah, well, you, you can read it verse three on down. Yeah, uh, you have. So I'm reading from uh, from what the translation. Uh, you reading from NIV? Okay. Uh, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, uh, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son can, is can given. Can you just stop before you get to verse six? Because we know these verses. Uh-huh. Uh, but as you read those verses, what what are you thinking of? Man, it, it's the, the Christ millennial kingdom. Yeah, you, because he's reigning and he's defeating yeah. all of his enemies and there's utter peace. In other words, everything, the, what did it say? It said the, the boot of the warrior, the cloak that was rolled in blood. So you have... Just think of this. You have all these soldiers and garments, and they've been fighting. And guess what? There's no more war. They're going to now burn all of those. Yeah. You don't need them anymore. And so you say, well, was that talking about Jesus' first coming? Oh, I don't think that was, was it? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, he ended his life hanging on a, a cross before his resurrection and ascension. It, that was an awful scene. And we know that after. Jesus ascended, that the Romans came in and utterly destroyed Jerusalem. They wiped it out in 70 AD and then came back for seconds. And uh, what is it, 135 AD? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you look at, look at history right down to this present day. Do you see any of this like uh, no more war? Boy, uh, just in the news in the last couple of days, Russia is is on the border of Ukraine. China is threatening Taiwan. Uh, Iran uh, is threatening Israel. Um, Absolutely. Uh, our whole world seems to be ready to explode. You're sitting on a tinderbox. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking right down here. You read to verse 5, and I'm saying, well, that's talking about someday that's yet coming. Now, read a verse. Let me, well, let me read this, and then okay. you pick it up. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And then it says, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace or the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Wow. I'm saying, okay, what did we just read? (laughs) Well, in verse 6, I read about Jesus being born in a manger. Right. And in verse 7, I read, there will be no end to the increase of his government. Well, Jesus himself, um, the day he was crucified, Pilate says to him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, but my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. You guys are fighting with each other. Who can be on the top of the hill? No. My kingdom is different. And his kingdom 
we read later in scripture is one that when he returns to reign, there will be no more enemy. He'll defeat them and they will be done away. So and, this and, is interesting. Phil, in that, in that, uh, the bottom of verse six, you, you named some names. You said, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. So these are describing a child. And, and, it, and it just, you know, looking at Jewish religion, how do they get around that? How do they see that and, and say, well, that's, that's just allegory or, or I yeah, don't know what well, they do with it. But what, well, what's your perspective on that? I think they do it with a lot of difficulty. Yeah. But um, once you have determined that Jesus is not the Messiah, then you can you can push everything on to the future. What uh, what various Jewish uh, rabbinical groups would say here? I, I don't know. To a Christian like you or me, as we look at this, we say, "Well, that makes." perfect sense Mm -hmm. because jesus when he was asked are you the son of god yes he is the son of god he he displayed himself as the son of god and the the idea that that jesus is deity and that the trinity is one god uh, not three one God in three persons. And so um, I, I know this Trinity, talking about the Trinity, Scripture just ascribes to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all of the attributes of deity. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't l- as though God the Father was the real God and God the Son was uh, second place God and God the Holy Spirit was third place God. They were all God, and each one of them uh, functions so completely intertwined with the others that Jesus would even say to his disciples when they said, "Show us the Father." What was his response? Have you been with me so long? You haven't seen me. Look at me. Look at me. It's me, guys. Yeah. I and the Father are one. Yeah. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so this is uh, this is not something that's a mystery to, to us who read Scripture as God's Word. For those who don't, um, they're gonna they're they're gonna come to their I don't know what conclusions they'll come to. But listen, we this how how long have we been going? We've been going, you know, pretty close, pretty close to time here. Uh, Phil, one, one other thing, though, I wanted to ask you just to clarify one thing. And, 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 I, and this may go without needing to be clarified, but, you know, a lot of what, uh, what the people in Isaiah's time were looking for, the hope that they had was yeah. that millennial kingdom. And as believers, you know, we're going to be pulled up out of the world, uh, when, when Christ comes for us in the rapture, it's what we, we believe. Yeah. And, uh, and then, but we're, we have some hope in the millennial kingdom too, right? Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, you're right about the hope that they had here. The hope they saw, remember, uh, he said in 
Isaiah said in Isaiah 9, 1, we read, there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. So you stop there and you know that all of the people of Israel who heard Isaiah's words, they knew there was a time of anguish coming. They didn't know what it was. It turned out to be uh, Israel being taken into captivity in about 722 or 21 BC by Assyria. And then a, a century or more, a little more later, uh, Assyria was defeated by the Babylonians. And then the Babylonians came and ripped all of Judah out and took them away into captivity. And uh, so it ended up being a couple of centuries that there was misery and there was this um, anguish, this gloom going on. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, it's only at the end of that time when Persia defeats Babylon that you see this return. And you can read about that in the Bible in Ezra and in Nehemiah. You can read about that return from captivity. Uh, and and the the prophets at the end of the Old Testament as well uh, talk about this uh, Haggai and Zechariah. But but I don't want to get away from where we're going. Uh, this was before the gloom. Yes. So if I were an Israelite, then I know there's gloom coming, but I know there's hope. And in the same way, then, when you, you know that they're looking for a hope, and the prophecy talks about Jesus being born as a baby boy, that's Christmas. That's the Christmas story. That's where we are right now. But it also talks about him reigning, bringing peace, uh, defeating the enemies, a time of gladness, when the light shines and and all of a sudden the darkness is dispelled, there's no more gloom. When we say, well, when is that time coming? For us, yeah, that's the second coming of Jesus. Now you referred to uh, the event that is referred to, uh, we call the rapture. Uh, this is uh, This is talked about in various places, but mostly in 1 Thessalonians 4, where it says uh, the Thessalonians were concerned about some of their Christian brothers and sisters who had died. And they didn't think that was going to happen. They thought that Jesus was going to come back and we were going to have this kingdom. And Paul gives them the prophecy. Uh, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Well, that's an event that isn't this, because this is talking about Jesus yeah. reigning here on earth. Yes, And so then, uh, again, this is looking at the big picture of Scripture, but then Scripture says, Revelation 19 is where this is spelled out, where it talks about Jesus returning. The King of kings and the Lord of lords comes at the end of a 
terrible tribulation period. And at that tribulation period, which Jesus himself said will be like nothing that's ever happened before. Now remember, Jesus said that in Matthew 24. And what happened in the Old Testament had already happened. Mm. They'd been taken into captivity. And Jesus says, no, this is going to be a worse time than anything that's ever happened before. But at the end of that, he's going to ride in and with his saints, and he is going to reign. That's when this happens. So anyway, we have, we have some, we, we've done some pretty, we've covered some stuff here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, from, from the beginning to the end. Can, you know, if we could do this one more time, you know, maybe we could go on into another prophecy because I, I'd love for people to understand this. And maybe we could talk a little bit more about how a prophet saw the future. Uh, because that's yeah, and and why why we have this, this why they're separation. all together? Yeah, uh, why, yeah. The, he talks about them right next to each other. Verse six mm-hmm. is one fulfillment in the first coming of Jesus, and verse seven hasn't even been fulfilled yet. And and I think we see that in the New Testament. There's an answer yeah. there somewhere, isn't there? Oh yeah. All right. Thank you. And uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to it. And. Uh, guys, again, if, if there's anybody out there watching and, and you have any questions you want to throw our way, uh, we'll flash a little website on the screen there and, and you, can, uh, you can respond. We'd love to hear from you and to, uh, to address any, any concerns or questions. Amen. Sounds great. All right.